It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Radio, sorry about the delay. Got some server issues going on with Blog Talk. That means they're busy again tonight, so hopefully it won't mess up callers. I believe Roger's already on the line. Are you there? That's me. Hey, sorry about the hold up. That's all right. Hi, everybody. Hey. <laughs> well, that is good because I was worried that could be going on for a while and you wouldn't know what was happening. But every now and then they get a little busy and their server wigs out. I'm just hanging in there. All right, I appreciate it. Hey, I wanted to make a couple announcements right quick and then. Wanted to get into our discussion, and we'll be taking callers, of course, tonight, 646-716-9262. Our guest is Roger Powell, as you already know. If you're listening, most likely you should know that anyway. And uh, we definitely appreciate Roger giving us the time tonight to talk to us about his latest and greatest and some of the things from the past. Uh, one of the announcements I got is that Todd, of course, is doing a tour in December. Todd Rugren, of course, I'm mentioning here, starts in Dallas, December the 2nd. If you want all the dates, just go to trconnection.com and look at their concert and tour information. And you can also get that link on our website here at rugrenradio.com and find out when those shows are and if they're coming to an area near you. I know they're going to be in Austin, New Orleans, lots of places, so check that out. We've got some future guests already lined up. Michael Urbano, who will be the drummer for that tour, is going to be on Monday. That's this coming Monday, 11, 12, uh, November the 12th at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And then following the next Monday, we're going to have John Montagna, who was the bass player with Todd earlier this year when Tony Levin took a break to go do his thing. And he will be on at 9 o'clock Eastern. So we're going to have two different times. But those will be our next two guests. And we've got three others we're working on that have agreed to do a show. That's Lyle Workman, John Forensic, and Willie Wilcox. So we'll oh, yeah. Those guys, yeah. If I can, Willie's in Mexico, so he's been kind of hard to get in touch with. But anyway, we'll get him on here. So he has agreed to do that. And uh, that's pretty much it for the announcements that we have. We will be taking a bio break tonight. We call it the Dustin 29 bathroom break if we're going into the second hour. 
So uh, be ready for that, and we'll play a song. I've got one of the ones that I really like on Roger's new CD. So let's get into that a little bit. Uh, I wanted to ask you first, we've got a lot of people who have been interested in finding out about your musical disappearances, I like to call it, where you kind of took a break <laughs> for a while. Well, I kind of got uh, sidetracked into developing musical software uh, back when, uh, about 1985, uh, that's when the band uh, sort of stopped touring for a while, and I decided to pursue that for a while. So um, that ended up being, you know, kind of a good job, actually. <laughs> and uh, actually, for the last 10 years, I've been at Apple. So I've been developing musical and uh, video, audio and video software. A little bit different than the rock and roll world, I take it. It's a little bit different, but it's a you know there's still a lot of personalities involved, and <laughs> you're still producing you're still producing a product that needs to come out on time and make everybody happy. Yeah, same thing everywhere you go, isn't it? Yeah, seems like it anyway. Well, there were some rumors, and I wanted to ask you about that when about this disappearance. I thought you might go down that road. Did you have any issues with your hands, like carpal tunnel or arthritis or anything? Uh, yeah, I've had, I started, uh, noticing, you know, a lot of pain in my, uh, finger joints, um, back in the, around the mid-90s, and, uh, of course, that was after, you know, I was doing the software thing, so that wasn't, that wasn't any particular reason for not, uh, touring or, or, you know, doing other music, but, yeah, it got, it was really painful for a couple of years, and I actually, at that point, I, kind of stopped playing uh, piano and keyboards because I was like, you know, my hands were like going down and, the, you know, my fingers were like pounding down into these keyboards. And I used to play with a fair amount of gusto, you know. Uh, so that started to be really painful. And <clears throat> they said, oh, yeah, well, you got arthritis in your, you know, in the joints in your hand. And I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to take a break from playing since I wasn't uh, touring anyway. And I started I picked up the guitar again, and I, I found that that was uh, that didn't have the same you know painful effect mm -hmm. um, because you know you're not like pounding on it, um, you're just kind of moving your fingers around. So, so I actually you know there's a rumor that I had given up keyboards and switched to guitar, but really I just picked that up for a few years, and it was cool because I got better on it, um, and I really like playing guitar a lot. Um, I'm still. I'm not a speed demon. I'm not a shredder, um, and I'm actually I'm I really like jazz guitar, which is kind of like why I picked it up in the first place. But I can you know I can kind of get around on it. And then after a few years of of that, um, I guess I they said well eventually you'll get used to the pain, <laughs> and I guess I did. <laughs> and it sort of became more emotionally painful not to play the keyboard than you know. <laughs> Uh, than to do it, so I picked it up again, and um, you know, I I I have I have some of my old <laughs> uh, technique. I have most of it, I guess, really. So get um, on a bicycle, probably for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my fingers look a little weird. They're a little twisty looking, but you know, they still seem to work. So, and it doesn't hurt. Near, it doesn't hurt nearly as much as it did like ten years ago. So that's good. Let me. You mentioned guitar. I noticed some on your CD. Is that you playing or? Somebody uh the all the fancy guitar parts are Greg Koch. Okay. Um he is a really fabulous guitar player. I played um I played rhythm here and there. Um and I I played 
uh, I didn't really play any solos. I guess, well, I kind of played a solo, but it was it's really <laughs> kind of minimal solo on um, uh, Underwater City. There's a very thick guitar sound. He plays a very thin kind of uh, spooky guitar sound, and I just play this kind of thin sort of drunken wandering guitar sound. All right. And uh, but mostly uh, all of the really cool guitar stuff is from Greg. He's really fabulous. He's uh, he has his own band, Greg Cock and the Tone Controls, and he uh, is one of the Fender. Everybody knows about Fender sure. guitars, right? He's one of Fender's premier clinicians. Uh, he goes all around the country, you know, showing the guitars and uh, you know doing this like two-hour presentation where he also plays a lot of his music. And his music is really cool. He's got several albums out. Um, it's kind of in the roots and progressive, you know, instrumental range, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, he plays He plays all of the all the really cool parts. He plays Well, I, cl- I cut, I hope you don't mind, some of the clips I'm going to play for some of the songs. I went to the middle of some of them where there was some yeah. guitar. So we sure. can hear a little bit of that, you know. So we got it. We got. I got it mixed up. Some some are different, but I just want to kind of give by a different flavor for some of the songs. Yeah. Well, we felt that uh, you know we when Gary and I started off, Gary was the producer and uh, also the uh, co. Uh, uh, he mostly did a lot of the arrangements of the material, and uh, and he also produced Greg's parts. But when we first started, we didn't have Greg involved, and then we thought, well, you know, it all sounds a little electronic. And uh, why not add um, this really great guitar player? And we sort of kept him playing in the, uh, I guess, like blues and roots mode as kind of a grounding element, really. Um, so, I, you know, I think when people listen, you know, whatever you're going to play, they'll probably hear that, uh, that direction that we took. Absolutely. Now, Gary, is his last name Tannen? Gary Tannen, T-A-N-I-N. Right. Uh, one place they credit him as uh, Gary Cannon, you know, like cannon fodder. Right. But his actual name is Tannen, <laughs> T-A-N-I-N. He's a he's a very well known and uh, award winning producer in the Milwaukee area. Um, he wins awards from the uh, Wisconsin area music industry just about every year. Mm-hmm. And he's a really old friend of mine. We met at I think a synthesizer demonstration. Uh, that I was giving for ARP like years and years ago, and we kind of remained, you know, friends by distance. And then, you know, well, you want to play some music, or I, <laughs> I could just keep going. Here. <laughs> no, keep going. We'll mix some of that in as well. Uh, okay. You know, I was interested in Gary. I know he's part of this CD as well, and we've been communicating. Yeah, he's, and he he's a big be... part of it, I guess. And what I was just going to say was that, uh, you know, I I started feeling itchy because I had I had a lot of uh, source material. That was just all kind of scattered little fragments, and I, I wasn't finishing anything. I was starting a whole bunch of pieces, but I wasn't really finishing them. And I thought, well, you know, well, that's kind of what a producer is, is supposed to do, you know, is to help you finish a project. So I just kind of out of the blue just contacted him um, just, you know, because I wanted someone I could work with on a you know, peer-to-peer basis and not, like, hire, you know, some fancy L.A. producer. Right. Uh, and, you know, he took the material, he took all the raw stuff that I had, and he had it for a couple months. He he kind of strung it together in Pro Tools, made some arrangements, and I was like, you know, this this could work out. And so that's how the project got started. Okay. Let's play a clip. I'm going to play the, the first song on this 
lone gum, and this I did take it more towards the middle of the song, not the start. It's about 45 second clip, and you can tell me a little bit about this song. Uh, and here we go. Gumman from Fossil Poets, the latest from Roger Powell. So, how do you pick the name for these songs? I've always been curious about that. There's not any vocals in any of them, so. Yeah, it's a, it's an all instrumental album, by the way. So, um, people have commented that they would like for me to maybe try singing on the next. You one. Just slap Caravan on there or something. Everybody be good. Yeah, we'll see. You know, maybe I'll do a cover of Caravan. I'll do like a modernized, you know, you dance version of Caravan or something. Um, the the titles are the final titles come last usually mm-hmm. um, because we don't when we put the pieces together we don't even know you know we're actually mixing little fragments of things and kind of building it more like a sculpture mm-hmm. um, these aren't really like songs that I sat down at the piano and like wrote and then you know made electronic sounds for mm-hmm. um, these are a lot of textures and like I said, like eight or sixteen bars of of some rhythm tracks and things like that, and we start with that, and we just kind of see where that goes. Um, so the titles are. We went through several iterations of titles, of course. Um, you know, Gary immediately had to put titles on everything just so he could remember what piece was what, <laughs> because you know I had them all labeled like you know in some code, like you know RP, and then the date encoded in the file name and. Right. And it was like there was no indication of what it, you know, there was nothing you could hang your hat on. So, well, yeah, that's the one that goes blah, blah, blah. So he named a bunch of them. And then, uh, I, you know, I wasn't happy with all the names he came up with. Uh, and, we, you know, we had decided we would, at the end, we would kind of listen to the album as a whole. And and that's, in fact, what we, what we did. And also... Um, my girlfriend Diane and I sat down because she's she reads a lot and she has very good you know vocabulary <laughs> and remembrance of all sorts of things. So we sat down and once the album was complete, we just we sat down and we listened to it and we started just coming up with names for each one of them. And Do they have personal meanings? Huh? Do they have personal meanings behind them, or are they more just because of the sound? More because of the sound, and she actually came up with that name. Lone Gunman because she thought it it sounded a little there's a there's a couple parts in there a couple you know of the synthesizer parts that sound a little bit like um, uh, the X Files theme okay and so you know we were like oh okay well then but I'm not going to call it the X Files you know <laughs> but she said well there was I said what are some of the concepts that were in you know the X Files and she said well there was this whole thing about the Lone Gunman so I said yeah that's cool so there you go that's how yep. Instrumental songs get their names. I've always wondered. It's, uh... Yeah, you just kind of sit there. I mean, it's always helpful maybe to have a beer beforehand, you know. But 
Um, but yeah, you just kind of listen to it and you know talk it out with with somebody else. Uh, you know, Gary came up with some of them. I came up with some of them, and you know we came up with some of them together and voted on them. <laughs> you know, ultimately. Gotcha. What What would you, if you had to classify this music? I mean, what would you, you know, let's say for iTunes or something? What category is it going to go in? Well, it it seems to have settled for one reason or another into progressive rock. But I don't really think of it. I don't really know, you know, what progressive <laughs> any of these titles are, any of these categories are. They're all progressive over. rock. Uh, I, I guess it, you know, it. There, for me, it has a lot of different elements in it, and this is actually what I tried to do on the record was was to, you know, expose a lot of things that I'm interested in musically, mm-hmm. and it kind of runs from. There's a lot of jazzy elements in it. Uh, there's certainly some, you know, rock elements in it. There's even like some electronica and dance elements in it, as far as the rhythms are concerned. Um, although we tried to, you know, there's, I tried it not to make it the monotonous, uh, you know, disco beats, but, but there, you know, there, I borrowed from some of the new electronica uh, for the rhythms. Uh, <clears throat> and then there's there's rock and there's blues as well in there. Uh, and then we put a few little acoustic touches here and there. I played I play some other in, acoustic instruments. I played uh, flugelhorn and accordion uh, and some flutes on there, um, and piano as well. There are two solo uh, sort of piano cameo pieces. They were just improvisations. They're about a minute each. But uh, you know, we, again, we wanted to balance the album and not. I didn't want it to come out and to immediately immediately go into the category of you know ambient electronica because that when you hear that it sounds like you're in you know you're going to go into some dream state when you listen to it which I guess you could with this album too but <laughs> There's lots but, of things uh, but we keep things moving in the arrangement so I it's hard for me to say what it is I just know that it it generally falls under progressive rock but it's you know it's progressive rock jazz techno Blues, blah blah, you know. And and we call it. I call it. I came up with the thing of retro futuristic. Retro future. I like it. Yeah, it's it's you know the best in retro future music. <laughs> it's got a little bit of both. Um, because it's got a lot of the old analog uh, synthesizer stuff in it, and then it's kind of modernized with some of the beats, and you know, and then it's got acoustic instruments in it as well. But now we've added another. Uh, I found another word. Which has been used before, but <clears throat> we're now calling it uh, schizophonic retrofuturistic. <laughs> okay, I like that schizophonic. Yeah, that's, we'll have to get learn how to spell those all that. Yeah, there you go. Put that together. <laughs> now, do you have some trumpet in there? I thought I noticed trumpet in there, and I know you did some of that. Yeah, before. it's a flugelhorn is a trumpet. Okay, same thing. A flugelhorn is just a mellow version of a trumpet. Okay. It plays the same. It just has a different shape and a and a more mellow sound. Right. Um, yeah, I played trumpet in high school, and then I, you know, I played trumpet uh, with Utopia on right. a couple of tours, little little short appearances here and there. I've actually, interestingly enough, I've been getting back into playing the trumpet again just within the last couple of months. Um, I just I found that that's another really nice relaxing thing you can do, <laughs> and you uh, well, which actually. It actually provides a certain amount of exercise because you're sure. you really have to have breath control 
and you know uh, your diaphragm muscles. So you know it's exercising your you know your chest and your diaphragm. Um, you're not really getting much workout with any other part of your body, but <clears throat> at least that's something. It's too bad you can't find something that uh, doesn't require so much of your fingers since they were getting worn well, out there for a while. You know, they don't. Something like that is not really a problem. It's really like the pounding, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's like also like big stretches are not are not a lot of fun either. Um, but I, you know, I feel like I've kind of worked through it, and I, you know, this is really like old fart talk here, right? You know, you talk about everything that that's ailing you. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, don't you but, love those conversations? You run into somebody and they're like, um, "How's yeah, your day?" No, and they start telling you their whole story. Yeah, I had that once. <laughs> well, well, go away here. Look at my scar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be better if I didn't just spend a week in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Those suckers turned me upside down. Yeah, but hey, you're um, you're excused because we ask you. We people want to know. So yeah, okay. Well, th- let them know that, like, you know, I'm not, like, you know, decaying, like, rapidly here, you know, um, and that I'm still playing a lot, and um, I just, you know, if it starts to hurt, I just stop. But I also take, you know, there's there's stuff that uh, people take for this, and I'm, I take all that stuff. Well, can you... Glucosamine, chondroitin, and uh, SAMI, and, you know, fish oil, you know, anything that, like, helps your cartilage. Well, this music you got here, is there a way, have you done any touring with this, or is this just something you're going to do studio Whoa. only? I mean, that'd be kind of difficult, I guess. Well, <clears throat> I initially thought, yeah, it would be impossible, uh, because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't composed. The three of us were never in the same room together, <laughs> if you must know. Uh, you know, the whole project was, wow. uh, he lives in Milwaukee, and I live in, uh, you know, near San Francisco. So we actually did a lot of the work um, just sending stuff, uh, you know, back and forth. Hmm. So I'm sorry, what was the original question? Yeah, so are you going to tour? Oh, touring, yeah. Uh, no. No tour? No. Uh, it's not even that we couldn't approach, you know, trying to, to uh, you know, present the material in right. a live context. It's that I work for Apple Computer. Yeah, you got a good gig going. I got a pretty good gig there. I just actually celebrated my 10th year there on the 27th of October. They give you a pen that says 10 years, Apple. They're they're supposed to give me something. They gave me something at five years. They gave me a plaque. Um, And Steve Jobs used to personally sign them. Nice. You know, thank you for your effort and your dedication to Apple. And he used to personally sign it, but now I think it looked to me like it was a stamp. So, but I actually did, I got a pen for the five years. There you go. It's like, you know, it's so like low tech, you know, it's really weird. You work for Apple and they give you a pen. Yeah. You know? Maybe there's um, some, maybe it's a, a, a drive or something you just don't know yet. No, no, it's just, it was like a, you know, it's one of these, uh, you know, award fulfillment companies, you know. Gotcha. So they're probably dealing with like, you know, accounting firms and things like that. So I'm supposed to get some, I'm supposed to get a 10-year plaque and another special gift. Ah, <laughs> so it's probably it, a tie tack or something. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, ironic the, that you're working. The, Go ahead. Right for the ties that I don't wear. <laughs> you used to wear ties, real thin ones, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah, those were cool back in the day. Yeah, I, maybe uh, I should do that at work now. Yeah, they'd be like, huh? You still got yeah. them, huh? Uh, I got a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah I still ones. have the. Uh, I don't have that much stuff. 
don't know if anybody remembers the orange splattered lab coat that I had, <laughs> but I still have that, and uh, my girlfriend's son usually wears that on Halloween <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with frizzing his hair up as like a mad scientist. I got you. That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty ironic you end up at Apple Computers with Todd's, you know, experience there as well. So you guys uh, yeah. still got yeah. a lot in common. Hey, I got a caller. I want to take this call, and then I got some email sure. questions I've been dying to get to. But let's All see right. what we got here. It's the area code I don't recognize, so I like to see what's, uh, well, let's see. There we go. 303. 303, you with us? Hello? Hello, 303. All right, I'm gonna leave three hundred three open in case they want to talk to us. Let me ask you a couple of questions. I got. They might have, like, you know, maybe been waiting and headed off to the can or something. Maybe so. They didn't wait for the bio break. But I had some questions from uh, the internet that I did want to ask for people who were okay. afraid to call. Uh, one of them was they said this is from a guy named uh, they call him Stashnet on TRC uh, TR uh-huh. Connection. He says he always gets a kick out of your song Emergency Splashdown. Oh, yeah. And want to know what your thought process was writing this song, and what do you think about it looking back? Well, what was my thought process? You know, they, they're asking me to <clears throat> pull stuff out of a, you know, out of the uh, <clears throat> the memory cells that are you know kind of in the back of the attic. But um, emergency splashdown. I'm trying to think like when. I think I wrote that. I think I actually did that. I think that was written for my uh, for Air Pocket first. Yeah. Um, and it was it was kind of a uh, I don't know. It's just an odd piece of music. I a, a lot of those songs on Air Pocket I actually did write on the piano. And yeah. I believe that was one that I that I in uh, fact kind of uh, did on the piano to begin with. And I guess, that, you know, I just wanted to get across this kind of like, you know, frantic, you know, who knows what's happening now, you know, what's going to happen to me kind of a kind of a vibe. Gotcha. What do you think about it looking back? You still like it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's hilarious, especially when you see the uh, the DVDs of us doing it. And, you know, and I just kind of go nuts. And and we used to have uh, uh when I had the big synthesizers, which actually burned up in a warehouse fire, but when I had them, they would we would start off the thing. They always started off with a, you know, the kind of ooga horn of like, you know, it's nuclear attack time. Um, and then they would shoot off. Uh, oh, this is actually a funny story. They would shoot off a um, uh, fire extinguisher behind it, you know, uh, CO2 fire extinguisher to make it look like the, you know, the equipment was like, you know, going up in smoke. Right. Um, oddly enough, it it ultimately did. <laughs> now, that, now that I think about it, uh, but uh, one you know, in one city, they they sent the guy out, the production guy or whoever, sent him out to get the the uh, fire extinguishers, and he came back, and we did the number. You know, and the number is like really fast, and everybody's running around breathing hard. <laughs> he shot the fire extinguishers off, but they weren't CO two. <laughs> they were chemical Ooh. fire extinguishers. Oops. And, you know, that that spews out this, like, you know, uh, material, really. Uh, it kind of looked like snow. <laughs> in fact, I went back to my keyboard, you know, and we're all, like, covered in this stuff. <laughs> uh, and I go back to, to my other static keyboard, right? Mm-hmm. And it looked like it had snowed on top of it. it you know, it's like all I could see were, like, the outlines of the keys. <clears throat> we had a little uh, talk with the production. Yeah, sounds manager. like a Spinal Tap yeah. story to me. 
Yeah, Make exactly. Make there was a lot of there was a lot of Spinal Tap. Yeah, a lot of spinal tap. I mean, we even had a black album cover. Ah, there you go. <laughs> you know, you can't have a black album cover. It looks like death. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's. Uh, three hundred three was here. That was him rumbling there in the background. Oh, okay. It was him. Let's see if I can. Hey, can you hear me now? now? Here we go. Hey, he's resurrected. Who there we go. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Uh, I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. Yeah, hey, this is this is Chris Ederholm, the Z-Man on the TR Connection forums, All right. uh, calling from Colorado. And uh, Roger, I, I, I seem to remember reading that uh, that you were once uh, here in Boulder. Yes. Yeah, I spent a little actually, time I, uh, after the band kind of broke up in '85. I, you know, I was writing software, and I wasn't making very much money. <laughs> So I actually took a software programming job in 1987 uh, in Boulder, Colorado, and that was for a company called Waveframe, and they made a digital audio workstation kind of musical instrument thing. Nice. Uh, did you uh, get a chance to, to hike some of the trails up here and enjoy some of the beauty in Colorado? Oh, absolutely. I was there uh, for three years, and you know that was in Boulder. Right. Uh, really loved Boulder. Really great little town. And it yeah. was so close to like Estes Park and you know and the mountains. I mean, first of all, you're already like up nearly a mile, you know, right. and then you go driving not that far. I mean, just like ten or twenty miles, and you're you know you're going up in the national forest with all of the the you know beautiful rock formations and you know there's like uh, I guess there was like wild you know big big wild deer. I forget what they call them. Great, the uh, the elk. Yeah, yeah, the elk. Yeah, the great elks. Uh, yeah. Any chance you, uh, did you, you'll, you'll come back to Boulder at all? Or, uh, uh, well, or you, you know, it's, here not, now? it's just not really in the cards. I, I yeah. have a really good friend who lives there, um, but I he usually comes out here a lot. So. All right. Well, I appreciate the great music that you put out, uh, Air Pocket, uh, you know, Cosmic Furnace, of course, and, uh, and Fossil Poets is, is excellent. It's, well, thanks, uh, man. Uh, it's just great to hear, uh, you know, have, have some alternative to, uh, to just the, the regular stuff you hear on the radio and, yeah. uh, and, uh, yeah, I got a little part of that great too. Job. I guess that's maybe why I made the record. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I can hey, one last question. Uh, any chance that we'll ever hear architecture? And I'm sure you, you I, I apologize if it's been asked already. Uh, well, it gets asked very frequently, but not likely. Uh, there are a number of reasons why, uh, not the least of which is they weren't, nothing was really finished. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of an in, during an interim period, um, and things just kind of went sour with that with the record company. And the ma- I'm not even sure if the masters are yeah. playable anymore because they were done on some equipment that's now obsolete. I understand, and so, I, I also enjoyed. Uh, I'm sorry. I said probably not, but you just have you know the, this album is what I wanted architecture to be. Excellent. Okay, and I also appreciated uh, uh, hearing "Glamour" and uh, "Connections to the Outside World." It was another great, great tune. So, oh yeah. Thanks, yeah, thanks for all the music yeah. you've given us over the years. Okay, well, thank all you right. very much for calling. All right, me. take care. All right, thanks a lot, Z Man. About time all right, to get around calling. All right, buddy, get hearing from you. The Z Man, T R C. Z Man. Z Man in, in Colorado. I knew I didn't recognize it. Oh three oh three. So that's good stuff. Yeah, I should have known that too. <laughs> All right, let's play another clip right quick, and we've got another caller. Um, Melinda, I'll put you on hold. Hang tight with us. And I want to play a little clip from 
fallout shelter. So this will be uh, about 45 seconds, I believe. Here we go. Cool. That's actually the uh, the earliest thing of all the fragments. That actually dates from oh, probably 2000, 2000 or 2001, maybe even before that. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I was experimenting with uh, using a program called Acid. Mm-hmm. I, I had, you know, I used to say I was experimenting with Acid, but that doesn't. Uh, <laughs> That was years ago. That was a torture um, effect. Yeah, I'm over that now. Uh, I was experimenting with this program called Acid uh, from, used to be Sonic Foundry, now it's Sony. Mm-hmm. And it was a really revolutionary program. It was it was one of the first programs that you could, you know, use, uh, that you could bring in and compose with loops. And the program was very cool. It's still very cool. There's a bunch of programs that operate like it now. But you could get, you know, you get your little loops together and then you just drag them over onto a timeline, and you can extend them and you know edit them and all that. And it's really, really fast. Um, so I actually made a bunch of my own loops. That that was done on some kind of a synthesizer <laughs> that I have. I don't remember, but I recorded that as a loop, and that actually became the basis for the whole for the whole piece. So it's it's pretty interesting though because the piece never had it wasn't arranged the way it is on the album now. Um, you know, it was sort of a different arrangement, although fairly close, I guess, for that one. Um, but it didn't have any guitar parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so it's really weird that, like, you know, I don't know, six or seven years after I did the first arrangement of it, there's actually an arrangement of it, uh, <clears throat> the earliest arrangement before Gary uh, and Greg got involved. There's a recording of it on the DVD that comes with uh, the book, uh, The Art of Digital Music or something like that, because um, they wanted some snippets of something, and I had that more or less in some format. But, Without the but then we decided to take it and kind of, you know, chop it apart, put it back together, and then uh, add Greg to it. Right. That, yeah, that sounded good. I like the, the addition that he adds to it. All right, let's take this call here. This is... Melinda from Texas. Melinda? Hi, Roger. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really good. Hey, Doug. Hey. (laughs) Hey, Roger, that Fallout Shelter song sounded really cool. I may just have to check this out. Uh I think you just may. You know, I'm on iTunes, too. We have a customer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. I actually got some gift cards I need to use up on uh, iTunes. Oh, very good, very good. Hey, I want to ask you a little question about um, your Utopia days. Uh-huh. And Doug always says that I ask really silly questions, but I don't <laughs> yeah. think this 
<laughs> you do. You do. Let me be the judge of that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. I want to ask That's you about silly. the That's video. Silly. Roger, she asked. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and ask for she in case she doesn't ask you. She wanted to know from our last get uh, from Mary Lou if if uh, went on tour if the guys cleaned their own clothes or not. <laughs> now that's not uh, silly. It was a good question. We we need to know this. No, it's not silly. I'm just I'm not laughing because it's silly. I'm just laughing because I'm I'm not sure how to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> we figured out you didn't clean your clothes. Most people is what we figured out. I think. Uh no, 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 we didn't. I mean, we we didn't clean our costumes, you know. And I guess like I seem to remember doing some laundry here and there, but. But you know, by and large, things that we were going to wear on the stage, you know, they were they were professionally done. But uh, you know, as far as the clothes you're wearing during the day, I don't know. I seem to remember, you know, maybe maybe once or twice <laughs> going into a laundromat. <laughs> you know, that's over 12 years, so you know. Sorry. All right, Melinda. I'm sorry. Go ahead and ask you a real question. <laughs> okay. Oh, that wasn't the real question. No. Oh. Okay. No, but but that's very interesting. Um, but well, why? I did, I did not, I did kind of wonder, you know, you guys were wearing those suits, um, you know, in that one oh, yeah. store. I mean, that that can get kind of, well, you know. Yeah, but that's see, that's just part of, you know, that's part of doing business. We had two, normally when we had costumes like that, we either had two uh, copies of it or we had enough interchangeable parts so that, you know, you didn't have, you didn't have to wash the same thing like every day. You gotcha. might get a couple days out of it. <laughs> Depends on, like... How how warm things were. <laughs> okay. I remember we played one, we played once at the Armadillo, uh, in God, where is that? New Mexico Austin. or something? Austin. Austin. It's in Austin. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is one there. I yeah. Well, we played there once, and it was the middle of the summer, and it was like a hundred and eight degrees or something, and it was in some. I mean, the Armadillo was like some sort of quant, giant Quonset hut thing. And I just remember it was so hot that nobody wanted to wear, you know, anything, really. Um, so, you know, we just, we actually got, you know, some of our own tour T-shirts <laughs> and tore those up so that we could, you know, sweat through it. You know what? I think I was at that show. That's really weird. Wow. I think we only played there once, and I, you know. I oh, I was, Ben. I was definitely there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot. And we were, I was pouring beer in my hair. <laughs> yeah, Melinda was hot too, and her bra ended up on the stage. I think at that show, she was oh, hot. Stop up, get out! She hot. <laughs> she got hot and took her bra off and threw it on the stage. Oh, back in the back in the days, the rock and roll days. So you you two guys have some sort of a uh, relationship already, I take it. <laughs> so we know each other. I wouldn't be going down that road and kidding her like that. But okay, uh, yeah. Now, Melinda, you got to get to your question because I'm gonna I'm gonna keep steering oh. you in a different direction if you don't. <laughs> Okay, All right. fine. All right. All right. Okay. 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 All right. Concentrate, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The video for Feet Don't Fail Me Now. Oh, I yeah. want to know, what is the story? What, who thought of y'all being bugs, and what was it like to be a centipede? And how did you clean those costumes when you were through the video? <laughs> oh, yeah. That was that was something. <laughs> yeah. Well, we never had to wear them again, so I don't know where they went. Uh, probably donated them to some grade school or something. Uh well, I think actually it was probably was Todd's idea. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> because it was Feet Don't Fail Me Now. And uh, interestingly enough, that video, 
I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Dr. Demento, mm-hmm. but Dr. Demento is like this famous, uh, you know, critic and radio guy, uh, TV as well, who, um, you know, makes these collections. Uh, you know, he puts together ratings and collections of the most demented videos and audio, you know, recordings, <laughs> and we made it to his top ten uh, most demented video. <laughs> Was that your goal? I think we were number 10. Well, who knows? It's not what you're, you know, it's not the average video that your, you know, your average big hair band would have done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Any press is good press. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was, it, uh, things were really a lot of fun back back in those days because, you know, video was really young and uh the band was was really into it and Todd was really into the theatrical aspect of it and you know, we um we had a good facility for doing these things, and when these projects and productions would come up, it was like, oh, cool, man, we get to go have a lot of fun. Well, it did look like it was fun. Yeah, it actually uh, was, there was some difficulty here and there with it, especially for me in that stupid costume, because there is one there's one shot where I'm like upside down or something, and I had to do that by hanging on a bar, um, with a blue screen covering the part of my body that was not in the costume. Oh, was that the part where you're getting sprayed with the bug spray? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I don't remember exactly, but I just remember I had to like hang off of a bar, um, and you know my whole body wasn't in that costume. Part, of, you know, I was in the the head or whatever, and then the back, I guess, was sticking out. So in order for my body to go away, we had to do a blue, what's called a blue screen thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or anything that's 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 blue in the picture uh, won't show up in the final thing, and then you can put the final thing over some other background. And all those backgrounds were like little miniature backgrounds, like the uh, there was a um, there was a living room and it had a couch. The couch was made out of a hot dog bun with uh, cigarette <laughs> cigarette uh, cigarettes for the legs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they basically superimposed this. Over that, you know, they shrunk us down. You know, they took one video of us, or me, or whoever, and then they would, you know, shrink that down, put do that in front of a blue screen, so that only, the only thing that showed up was, you know, the bug, and then and then shrunk that down and stuck it over top of the miniature um, miniature set. So you know, it makes us makes you think that the set is like full size, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of that's what I'm saying is like this is why we really enjoyed doing videos because we knew we were just going to be able to do all kinds of wacky stuff and come up with, you know, effects and things like that. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, um see, it wasn't a silly question, Derek. Very nice job. I wasn't silly. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no one laundry, quick no one. No laundry involved. No laundry. <laughs> well, I've got just one quick one. Um sure. Is there ever going to be a chance that we might see you tour with Todd again or play with him on a on a record? Well, there's a chance. <laughs> I don't know, you know, if that I don't know where that chance is between thin and fat. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's like everybody's kind of gone their own way, and um, you know, I have a day job, and it's really hard for me to take. You know, I can't really take much. Time. You know, this, the, the whole Fossil Poets album was done um, over a period of two years, 
just in my spare time, really. Um, so it's kind of hard to commit to a tour. But well, you know, you I get w- vacation time. <laughs> yeah, I get vacation time, and then I want to go see my family. You know. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess so. And you know, and you don't you don't get a month or two months of vacation time, like which is what you would probably need if you're going to do a real tour. Um, yeah. But I don't know. You know, I've uh, I've had some other interviews re- recently, and they've asked, you know, well, besides Utopia itself going out, you know, would you do something with Todd again? And I said, well, absolutely. You know, that might be a little easier to accomplish. Um, but you know, I, I he and I talk now and then, <laughs> but he's pretty busy too. So, uh, but we'll see. Well, he certainly is. He's, I think he's gone on tour, I don't know, four times this year or something crazy like that. Yeah, I know. I know. He's a, he's a workhorse. He's not, yeah. he's not doing a day job, though. That's yeah, true. That, is his, That's that true. is his day job. Right. Or his, his day job is a night job, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go, but uh, it was right. great talking to you, Roger, and maybe All someday right, I'll care. get to hear you play live. You take care, sweetie. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for calling, Melinda. So, Roger, just uh, quit your day job and ignore your family and go back on tour so we can all see you. <laughs> sure, and uh, stop eating food and, you know, <laughs> buying drinking, clothing. and <laughs> Stop drinking water. Okay, yeah, we, got yeah, another drinking, call. Yeah. <laughs> we got another call from 859. I'm not sure where that's from. 859. Ah, I think that's Hello? Uh, Pluto. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm calling from uh, Florida. Florida? Can you hear me? Ah, yes. What part of Florida? Uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Florida, the the red state. Huh. <laughs> uh, I had a question, a couple of questions. Uh, the Powell probe. Uh huh. Still have it, and give us a little history about it. And how did Jan Hammer get a hold of it? Okay. Uh, the probe, I actually, uh, I designed in conjunction with. Um, an engineer that I'd worked with at the ARP synthesizer company when uh-huh. we were both had both been working there prior to me joining Utopia. And, uh, you know, the idea was, was what you think it is that, you know, I wanted to be able to have a, a portable mobile, um, keyboard so mm-hmm. that I could move around much like the guitar and the bass player, <laughs> uh-huh. um, who seemed to be getting all the girls, you know? So, um, <laughs> So I came up with this idea and, you know, hooked up with the engineer. I mostly did the kind of, you know, the outside design of it, what I wanted it to look like, what I wanted it to do. <clears throat> and uh, and then my engineer, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Hill was his name. He uh, took care of actually getting it sort of, des- you know, electronically designed and manufactured. So what, what was the okay, – you want me to just keep going on this? What was uh, the next yeah. part of that question? Uh Jan Hammer was using it for a while, like on his ha- oh, yeah. Hammer albums. How did yeah, get so, so we actually manufactured a handful of, of them, um, you know, because uh, Jeremy, the engineer who was, manu- you know, who was making them, wanted to try to recoup some of his time and his investment in it, and so he thought, well, we'll just, you know, we'll sell a few of them. Uh, and they were all kind of handmade. It was a fiberglass shell that had to be poured and, you know, everything had to be hand-wired and all of that. <clears throat> um, so we made a handful of them. I mean, you know, I guess maybe about seven of them that actually got purchased. And among those people who were buying them was Jan Hammer, uh, except that Jan wanted to make some modifications to it. 
he wanted to, you know, change a, a bit of the shape of where the left hand was positioned. Um, I had this thing where you put your hand through it, and he just wanted to have it be like kind of like a hook where you could just, you know, slide your hand down in it. Uh-huh. And so he he actually contacted Jeremy, and he had, you know, he got a custom order essentially. Um, <clears throat> but it was basically, you know, the rest of it was pretty much the probe <clears throat> as I had designed it, and. Uh, I guess that was, you know, when he wanted to, uh, you know, be free. <laughs> right. I showed it to, uh, I once showed it to uh, Rick Wakeman of Yes. I drove all the way out from New York to Connecticut to see those, to see them at a show and brought, you know, the whole probe system. And I showed it to him <laughs> during the break or intermission or something. And <clears throat> he says, well, that's, a, you know, I was jumping up and down showing him how it works and, he says, well, that's all very interesting. He says, I can see it's very clever. He says, but I'm, by the time I hit the stage, I'm usually too drunk or knackered to want to prance around. <laughs> I was like, okay. So then I drove back to New York. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we manufactured several of them. I don't have any anymore. Uh, I mentioned a, uh, a fire <laughs> earlier. <clears throat> and uh, that's what happened. We had a, at one point we had a really bad warehouse fire where all of our oh, equipment yeah. was stored, and I lost the probes and I lost pretty much everything I had, uh, oh. including including some custom Moog synthesizers, uh-huh. um, which was that was heartbreaking as well because you know, dear Bob Moog is not with us anymore, and <clears throat> I would really love to to still have those. I I can imagine. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that was the end of the probe, and I, you know, I just didn't. I guess I, you know, at that point, I just went back to to playing behind the keyboards again. I, I, I didn't remanufacture it. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You have another question, Mr. Fort Lauderdale? Uh, I saw the Oops Wrong Planet tour, and it was one of the most impressive tours I ever saw where huh. I mean Willie was playing with a big fountain around him and everything oh yeah uh, how did they get all that stuff into semis I mean how it was so much stuff on stage yeah big dragon that attacked you on yeah right stage. That, yeah that, oh man yeah and we would come out and we would actually open for ourselves in like jeans and t-shirts like uh-huh. in the front of the stage with the curtains closed and then um, you know, so you'd think, okay, you know, the, here's Utopia, but you know, not much of a show. I mean, you know, it was like we're standing six feet in front of a of a curtain with like no props or anything and just you know street clothes. But then you know we do like a short set and then all hell would break loose. <laughs> the fog would start pouring out from behind the main curtain, uh-huh. um, and all the Gustav Holst music, you know, the scary Mars. Gustav whole symphony music would start playing, uh-huh. <clears throat> and then the curtains would part, and there would be, we call him Bruce. No, we call him Maurice. Maurice was the, uh, the sphinx head that we uh-huh. had. It was an 18-foot-tall, you know, facade of a sphinx uh, head, and it had uh, giant uh, floodlights, big square, like, you know, stadium floodlights in the eyes. Um and then he, there was a green laser where the third eye would be, like, you know, right between the, the eyes on the forehead. Um, <clears throat> and then 
CO2 gas would, you know, fog would come out of his of his nostrils. <laughs> Where'd y'all come up with that name? Uh, it was just, you know, people kept saying, like, you know, where's the head? You know, it's like, hey, man, that's 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 Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> Maurice. We had to give him a name, you know, that was like completely not Egyptian. <laughs> gotcha. Perfect. You know, uh, no King Tut. We got Maurice. All right. I think uh, also uh, at that show there were flyers passed. I can't remember because I don't have the flyer anymore. But weren't you selling your own brand of synthesizer or something like that? Mm. I might be mistaken. No, I wasn't selling, but I did invent something besides the probe. Um, and there may have been some uh, indication of that on there. Yeah, um, that's that's what I saw. Yeah, there was a thing. I I this was this was my foray into designing computer software and building a computer uh and then we uh, and then we built a keyboard to go with it and i toured with that for a year um where i had written all the software to make the sounds and that was called the data boy <laughs> or data boy uh-huh. data boy yeah data boy <laughs> that's good. yeah good yeah excellent wow. very cool i always felt that the uh pal pro was one of the coolest keyboards on the planet well definitely it, it still is. It got copied um, to some degree by you know people who uh, had funding and you know had had capital investments so they could actually start a business. Then uh-huh. <laughs> I you know I didn't really want to get into the musical manufacturing business. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was fun. To, it was fun to make those, and it was definitely fun, you know, to go out and play it. Um, you know, during that tour when I had the probe as well. Well, during the raw tour, I don't know how these overlapped because my memory is really shot but during the raw tour i actually had a a laser attached to the probe um and i could fire it off with my thumb um so it looked like you know there were (laughs) laser beams coming out of the end of it i think i remember seeing something like that like light at least reflections coming off of your keyboard that looked really cool and that was how i was supposed to uh fight the uh the dragon you know the big chinese dragon in the back Right. I was supposed to be fighting fire. That was supposed to be my element that I was going to overcome. And they and and a bunch of shows they had fire pots. I don't know if you know what those are, but they're things. They look like little pots that are connected to gas lines, and you put them on the front of the stage. You know, when the guy off stage cranks it, like you know, fire shoots out of them. <laughs> and so I was supposed to be, uh, you know, extinguishing fire with with the laser beams. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I remember it was very cool. Well, thank you. I mean, we actually played music at the same time we were <laughs> doing all those antics. Yeah, yeah, that that's very impressive. <laughs> Seems to be everybody's favorite show from the calls. We yeah, before. yeah, that was that was a pretty uh, pretty impressive. It's <laughs> a pretty amazing show, actually. Yeah. yeah, you went you went from that, and then I saw Utopia shows after that as the years went on, and and it got scaled back a lot. Yeah, well, you know, we spent so much money on that thing, um, <clears throat> and we actually sacrificed most of our record advance to, to build that thing, and it just became cost prohibitive to move it around. I mean, there was like four semis or something because there was a, you know, we had a fake stage riser and, uh, you know, all that all that tall stuff and you know the pyramid in the middle and the you know the arms the you know the paws to the sphinx and. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, it just got to be really prohibitive to to carry it around, and it started taking a beating too. Um, right. 
Right. So, you know, and then not only had, did you have to carry it, but then you had to have enough crew to set it up, like, you know, in three hours. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it just the cost of touring just started <laughs> making it prohibitive to do things like that. We, we then just sort of more settled on maybe some costumes and maybe some props or something, you know. And mm-hmm. Plus, you know, we... We're supposed to be playing music, so <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it's like we can't. There was no way we were gonna, you know, be able to keep outdoing ourselves, you know, every year. Um, yeah, that way. We we left that for Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, starting to remind me of Kiss a little bit with the smoke and fire and all this good stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's fun a bit. All right. Well, well thank, thank you, you for sir. Answering my questions. Yes. Sure. Hey, thanks for calling. Yeah. Powell Probe, coolest keyboard All right. on planet Earth. <laughs> All right. All right, thank you. Thanks a lot. I've right. got a feeling that uh, Mr. Fort Lauderdale there must play keyboards. Uh-huh. He's into the, he's into the <laughs> He would like probe. one. He would like to order one if they were available. He would, he would get one if you had one. Yeah, you can't <laughs> yeah. put it in there, I don't guess. Oh, maybe I should reissue it. <laughs> hey, there you go. Excellent. Well, hey, um, we're coming into the second hour, so I want to give everybody a bio break. Before I do that, I'm going to play... You're I want to let people know that I unfortunately I'm going to have to cut out around 6:30. Okay, that's um, so. So All if right. they want to get there, they want to. Have All right, contact. people want to call. You got a 646-716-9260. We do have another caller. Cool. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that actually before I take this bio break. Okay. Just uh, so they don't have to hold because I'm gonna play an entire song that you have. Okay. Uh, let's see. And this is I don't. This may be Z-Man again. Let's see here. Three three oh. Hi. No, that's that three oh three or three three oh. Three three oh. This is I'm three three oh. Excellent. Okay. Hi. This is uh Teresa from Ohio. Hey. Hey. Hi Roger. Hi Doug. OH ten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just wanted to ask you, I wasn't sure how you uh got hooked up with Utopia, um how you ended up joining the band. Okay. And uh and also, what was your what was your favorite song to play when when you guys did your shows? Okay, well, that's, there's a lot of those, but I'll I'll try to narrow them down. Um, I joined the band in the summer, I guess, of 1974. Before that, I uh, I wasn't in a band, um, but I was composing music, and I had the first solo album, Cosmic Furnace, came out in 1973, um, and at that time I was actually working for the ARP synthesizer company as well in Boston and that's where I recorded Cosmic Furnace was was in Boston and that record came out and I decided to uh, leave the ARP company and just kind of do some interesting musical projects and I was doing some sort of avant-garde things really in in Boston Um, but I guess Todd or his management or somebody in his organization had heard uh, Cosmic Furnace and at that time they had the um they had a fairly large band i it was uh with muggy Klingman and ralph shuckett and uh and John Siegler and kevin Elman and they had a synthesizer player uh jean yves Labat, who was also known as Monsieur Frog since he was French and I guess he was going to be moving on and doing something else. I'm not sure of the circumstances of why he was leaving. Um, but they were basically looking for another synthesizer player. And uh, I got a phone call, and they said, would you like to come down and see a show uh, and, you know, see what you think, and then we'll talk to you. 
So I, the show I actually went to was on Todd's birthday in Central Park, uh, June 22nd, I guess, 74. And uh, it was an amazing show. I, had, I didn't really know too much about him uh, at that time. I knew that he was kind of supposed to be this, you know, visionary, you know, wacky guy, <laughs> dyed, dyed his hair funny colors. And uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to even be in a, quote, rock and roll band um, because my background had been classical jazz and, you know, then avant-garde music, just kind of experimental music. <clears throat> but, I, but I was also really keenly interested in, uh, like, fusion type of jazz, which is, which is a, a little bit like some of the music that, that that version of Utopia was playing. You know, it was a lot of really fast notes and kind of jazzy licks and a uh, bunch of solos and things like that. So, so it was pretty exciting to see the show. Um, and then I, uh, I spent some time talking to him, and I, I flew back to Boston, and I was kind of like, well, I wonder why I was there, because <laughs> nobody said anything then about, do you want to join the band? And... Uh, but I got a phone call a couple of days later, and they said, "Well, you know, are you interested in joining the band, or you know, at least trying out for it?" And I said, "Yeah." And it turned out they really didn't have anyone else in mind. Actually, they had uh, Mr. Tomita in mind, and Tomita was a Japanese uh, composer who was also putting out synthesizer albums. Yeah, I remember. But he was that. putting out all classical stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think that he was he was kind of a family man already i don't think he would he would have toured anyway mm-hmm. so that's how i kind of ended up in the band i i um uh what was the first show that i well i went to one more show and then i rehearsed with them i went to one more show to see what it was all about i don't know if i played at that show or not it was in toronto i think it was in toronto um and then i rehearsed with them and then we started doing, you know, me and the band. <laughs> uh, so after you saw the, the first concert uh, where you watched them, did you kind of know them that you wanted to join? or did you have to I actually it? had some, uh, I had mixed feelings about it because, you know, I, I like I said, I was, I sort of wanted to pursue my own musical career, you know, in, you know, sort of, uh, you know, brainy synthesizer music. Um, and it was like, well, but then I thought, you know, if I join this band, it'll be a really good springboard for anything that I might want to do as a solo. Mm-hmm. You know, if I wanted to do solo albums, at least people would know who the hell I was. Yeah. So you were open kind of to trying some different kinds of music. And yeah, and I, you know, I had a lot of respect for the for the material and for, uh, you know, and for Todd. I mean, they did like a, this was back when they did like a three-hour performance and they had like the hello people and, you know, there was all this stuff going on and <clears throat> and it was just, it was really exciting. It was something that I had never envisioned I would I would be able to do. Um, but it wasn't an immediate like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I'm into that because I wasn't into that mm-hmm. at that time and it was a big change. Well, I'm glad you decided to. to well, yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I guess you got to to you know see some of the world too on um, some of you know some of the touring you guys did back then and. Oh yeah. Went went all over the place. So. Yeah, we were all over Europe and and in Japan several times and. Yeah, do you know why all, the, the Japanese fans seem to be pretty, um, you know? They're they're hardcore. Yeah, yeah. I don't, they're 
severely hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, they really seemed to like what we were doing. I, I'm not exactly sure why mm-hmm. they would like us more than anybody else, but um, you know, we would whenever we play over there, people would just go nuts. And I was like, you know, we're not like, uh, you know, we're not like a boy band or something, you know. <laughs> um, you know, we come out and play our stuff and get a little crazy. And But I remember, like, uh, fans crying as the limousine would pull away from the gig. And I was like, get over it. You know? <laughs> yeah, they got a good taste in music. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the only... After the band stopped working in 85, the only thing that we ever really did again as a band was was a Japanese tour um, in 1992. Mm-hmm. We did one show in, in, the, in the U.S., and that was just a warm-up show, but the tour was all in Japan. Uh-huh. How many shows did you play on that, on that tour? How many shows? I think yeah. we only played like 10 or 11 shows. Uh-huh. Um, it was about two weeks, and... I, in fact, at that time, was working for another uh, technology company called Silicon Graphics. You know, I was working as a software engineer. And I said, well, you know, I got this chance to go do this tour. It's only going to take like two weeks. And they said, well, yeah, you can take a, you know, unpaid leave <laughs> two weeks. Or maybe I had vacation. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but that was, you know, that was a really good tour. Um, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, you know, it was, we... We had a lot of fun picking out the material because we could kind of pick and choose. And, you know, I, I preferred doing some of the harder-edged uh, songs, a little more punky types of songs, and we did a, a fair number of those. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I, you know, we always enjoyed going to Japan. Um, it's a beautiful country and, you know, a lot of tradition and um, really great people. Yeah, I enjoy watching the DVD of that, uh, that Redux yeah. tour, so that was good. Well, thanks for taking my questions, and yes. you guys have a great evening. Hey, All right, Colin. nice to talk with you. All right. Bye-bye. Ohio. Ohio. Right. Good deal. Hey, I'll tell you what, since you're limited on the time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that song uh, after All you right. go. It's Test Drive is the one I want to play. That's the one I like uh, okay. best right now. I want to play that entire song for everybody. But I do right. want to play, I'm going to give, uh, we're just going to take, I got me a little promotion here, clip that I want to play that I, I made, and I'm all excited about it. It's about 30 seconds, so I'll play that. Excellent. And then we're going to take another call, uh, and then we'll I got some happens. more email questions. We're going to try to we're going to try to get it all squeezed in before you take off. So here we go. This is only right. 30 seconds. All right. I'm going to go take. Hi, a this is John Montagna, bass player from the Spring 2007 tour with Todd Rundgren. I'm going to be appearing on Rundgren Radio on Monday, November 19th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So check it out at RundgrenRadio.com. How about that? All right, that'll That's be John here. Amazing! What a nice voice that fellow had. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was having some funny. He looked funny up on stage. I think he's probably about I'm gonna guess 30 years old. He was up there <laughs> with Jesse and Jerry Murata and, and Todd, but uh, he played. Yeah, well, played he's a mean in good bass. company. There you go. He did well. He wouldn't have him. I'm, you know, no. that's one thing about Todd. He always no. has, you know. Really good musicians around. Always, him. always. So that's, that's, did you say you need to take a break? That's how he lo- it makes him look good. See, there you go. Did you say you need to take a break? 
Uh, yeah, I thought you were going to play something. I can, if you want to take a quick break. I don't mind. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, I'm going to play. It song's only about two and a half minutes, maybe three. It's a test drive. Okay. So we'll, we'll come back. I can back. take care of my business during that. <laughs> there you go. And I want to, uh, so I don't forget, I'm going to play you a clip from when uh, Chasm Sultan was on the show, and he talks about okay. you. I want you to respond to that. So we'll be right back here. We're going to play Roger's test song. Drive. Test drive. You want to say anything about it before I play it? Uh, that's where I, I play the flugelhorn. Excellent. On there we go. And I trade I trade flugelhorn, which is like a trumpet. That's the horn you'll hear. I trade licks with uh, Greg's guitar. All right. Everybody, if you want to listen, stick around. If you got to go to the bathroom, run and listen to it in the archives. Here we go. <laughs> Funny feeling that, that was that, a different song. Yeah, I was describing the wrong song. <laughs> was it me or I you? Was, I was going to say the attentive listener will notice. Uh, 
that that was not a flugelhorn or a horn. <clears throat> I was thinking of miles per gallon. I don't know why I transposed. Uh, See, I that's like, I don't even know the title of these. <laughs> it's hard without the song. Um, but the other part was true that I traded licks with Greg. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, uh, that had a that featured a like a clav, a wah wah clavinet sound. Yeah, I like um, that one. Nice. Yeah, and he plays really great on that. I you know really, I don't know. I I, I, I I like that cut a whole lot. That's Good. that's probably one of one of my favorite cuts. And I I composed that. Uh, oh God, I couldn't sleep one night because I was having a, like a stomach ailment, and I was like, oh man, I can't sleep, you know. And I'm all I'm feeling really weird here, you know. I said I got to make some piece of music that like sounds uplifting. And it was the middle of the night, and I I programmed the basic parts for it. Very and good. Then, I do have. Uh, and then. And then Gary picked it up and, uh, you know, helped me arrange it. Um, did a lot of work on the arrangement, and we didn't really add too much to that. We added some of the little sparkly sounds in the beginning and the end. And then Greg's guitar just really, you know, once again grounded it and kind of pulled it together. Yeah, I thought some Todd fans might like that guitar part. And it's, uh, I've got a clip from the Miles Per Gallon that I'll definitely play, you know, some. Okay, yeah, so they can hear the, and you hear the song I actually described. It's, yeah, it's actually, uh, I picked that that in the middle so we could hear some of that actually okay so i'm gonna play though i got uh some callers seven one four eight five zero i'll get to you hang tight with me i appreciate it i want to play we had chasm on and, and he talked about the utopia story and i just wanted to get confirmation where everybody was kind of shocked and it was a good story and okay I want to play it for you and let you hear it it's just a, a few seconds here okay uh roger and and willie said well we don't want tony sales in the band we want chasm back we think that chasm would be a really good addition to the band and unless you want to find another bass player, another drummer and keyboard player, then you better take Casim in the band. So Todd begrudgingly took me into the band, so as not to upset the apple cart with Roger and Willie. And the rest is history. I spent the first two years kind of trying to make Todd like me, and uh, <laughs> now you've succeeded. Now we're best friends. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. You remember this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how how tough was it to convince Todd to do something? Well, uh pretty tough in that situation because uh he, you know, he had worked with uh Hunt and Tony before. Mm-hmm. Um in fact, I thought they were they were actually part of the very first Utopia that went out. Yeah, I think so. Um and you know, I I I didn't have that much against uh Tony, I just I just thought that Chasm fit better, you know, in the band, and also, you know, for Willie and, and me, you know, I mean, it was supposed to be <laughs> it was supposed to be, you know, Utopia, man. It's like everybody, you know, gets to have their say, um, and we just felt that like we should, you know, since we're the rhythm section, <laughs> we ought to have some choice in, you know, who the who the who the person is. So then, and we just we just felt that like you know, Cas fit better. Right. Um, and unfortunately, Tony was, you know, like I was the one that had to give him the news. You know, I had to tell him. And, you know, the the, the poor guy, I mean, he, he really thought because of his friendship that he already had the gig. And he bought like an expensive, you know, those Halliburton suitcases that are like the, you know, he bought like a copper plated one of those. And, uh, you know, I mean, he was all set to move in because he just figured, well, I'm Todd's friend, so I got the gig. Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't ready for the fact that Willie and I really preferred Chasm because we thought that, we really thought that Kaz, you know, was really up and coming. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he was a pretty young guy. Um, he was recommended, Kaz was recommended to me, you know, we were searching for bass players, he was recommended to me by Michael Kamen. Michael Kamen was in a band called the New York Rock Ensemble. Um, those were all like Juilliard graduates who <laughs> formed, a, formed a rock and roll band. Michael Kamen went on to do uh, production and uh, orchestral scoring for Pink Floyd um, and a bunch of films. And unfortunately, he died at the age of like 54, like two years ago. Wow. Um, or maybe a little older. Yeah, let's be honest But <clears throat> so yeah, so basically it was like, well, wait a minute, you know, we're the, we're the guy, we're the guys that have to, you know, lock in rhythmically with them. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> we also thought that Chasm had a very special voice, mm-hmm. which of course turned out to be <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, and we just liked his energy. Yeah, I would like to have been his wingman back in the day. So yeah, I would have, I would have definitely wanted him involved in that deal as well. But he had, uh, yeah. he, yeah. he, 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 the. the he was pretty popular, I think, and it still yeah. is. In, in oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the other thing was he was new and, and fresh, and in a way we thought, well, you know, he's not coming into the band with any preconceived notions, right? right? Yeah. And that he'll kind of, you know, adapt, and we can all kind of work as a team. Yeah, move the clock forward. And it was, it, it was a little difficult for a while because there were, you know, I think Todd has probably had some hard feelings about that. and. Yeah. You know, felt bad. He, Todd probably felt bad that he gave the impression to Tony that it was all set. You know, and mm-hmm. but I had to. You know, I just, that was a really that was a hard day, man. I, I had that to. Was tough, yeah. But you know, Tony Sales ended up suing Todd for about fifty grand later, and now Casm's still touring with Todd. So yeah, <laughs> it worked out. It was a good decision, apparently. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, I I don't really know those guys that well. I just at the time, I felt like you know we needed to make the decision that we made and stick with it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's take a call here. we got uh, somebody has been a hold for a while. 714, you are with us. Hi, Doug. This is hey. Sherry. Hey, Sherry. Hi. How are hey. you doing? Hi, Roger. How are you? Good. I'm a I'm a big old Utopia fan. I just have All to right. tell you, I, I loved you guys playing together. It, it was a great time. You're a long timer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I used to go see you in New York and just all over the place because I was a uh-huh. big fan. But I just wanted to – actually, you, you talked about picking Chasm for the band, and uh, that was what I wanted to talk about. So <laughs> thank you yeah. for elaborating on that. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I, also, I was going to ask you, what about yeah. collaborating on music? How did you guys write your music together? And I love <laughs> Caravan. It's a great song. I love your singing that. And do you think about singing at all? Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, I just put out the, well, a year ago, put out the Fossil Poets album, and mm-hmm. I deliberately didn't try to tackle any singing on that, because that just, that would have made it really a lot harder for the way that we were going to do the record, which was but kind of by remote control and sending files back and forth, you know, mm. um, and I just felt like we could accomplish something instrumentally, you know, uh, more, you know, more appropriately for that album. Um but yeah, we used the way we used to compose was, was a little bit all over the map. But um, usually, what would happen is a person, you know, everybody in the band would would come up with. Uh, it's kind of like the way I did Fossil Poets, but, but we each come up with little fragments that were like maybe a part of a song, but we hadn't completed the whole song, you know. Mm-hmm. And we would we call them modules. So it would be like, you know, when we were doing the record, it would when we were recording uh, and composing, we'd all sit in the studio together and, 
you know, whoever whoever presented their modules would sit at the piano or, you know, play the guitar and play the little parts that they had. Again, not a full song. So we kind of survey what everybody had, like everybody, you know, it was like show and tell. And work with everybody each would, other. Everybody would get up and play their modules, and then we would start to say, oh, hey, wait a minute, you know, that's that third thing that you played could go with the second thing that I that I came up with, you know, like the thing that you did sounds like the chorus of the song, and maybe this could be the verse if we, you know, change the tempo or something like that. So it was kind of like uh, kind of like Lego, <laughs> um, where you you know you just kind of get a bunch of pieces that can sort of fit together, and then you try to make something that's recognizable out of it. Um, <laughs> But in you know in in many other cases you know in in a lot of cases the person would actually bring in a whole song, especially Todd, um, and to some degree Chasm, mm-hmm. um, because they were you know they were both well Todd is, of course is Todd so, <laughs> uh, but they were both like you know very vocally oriented and lyrically oriented much more so than myself I'm I was not I never really sang until I was in the band. And I find writing lyrics to be extremely painful. <laughs> I really like to live in the abstract instrumental world where, like, you know, to me, lyrics, when you put lyrics into something, it makes it really concrete in a certain way, you know, because it really tells the listener exactly what this thing is about. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, <laughs> I, did, I did end up writing some lyrics here and there. But lyrics are not my forte, and I never thought singing was either. Um, although I, you know, after you after you do a couple thousand shows, your your voice does get somewhat strong. Um, <laughs> yeah, whether that's good, whether it sounds good or not, but at least it's strong. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm enough of a musician to sort of know when I'm not really, you know, cutting it. <laughs> so I only really attempted things that I felt I could pull off. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, that I mean, in general, you know, other than someone saying, "Oh, you know, I had I had this inspiration and I wrote this whole song," um, it would be the the collective collaborative process would be you bring your modules in, you play them, then we try to fit them together and make some, you know, put together like a Frankenstein. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Sherry. Well, thank put, you then so put much. lipstick on it. Sherry, thanks for calling. <laughs> thanks. Thank again. you, Sherry. Right. Okay. Have a good night. Okay, let's see if we can catch up with 850. They've been on hold for a while. All right. 850, you with me? 850. 850, turn the radio off, please. 850, I'm going to come back to you. I think they're, uh sounds to me like they're having a little whoopee whoopee there. Uh-oh. we got a porno show going. 210. Hey. <laughs> Are you talking to me, Doug? I am. Hi, this oh. is Wendy Carson in San Antonio, Texas. Hello, Roger. Hi, Wendy. And I'm sorry for coming in late on the show, but I wanted to find out if uh, someone has an answer. Uh, are you going to be having your forum again? Oh boy! You know, <laughs> I got all excited about that when I put the when I put Fossil Poets out, and I had all these like grand plans for you know all this stuff my space and everything and and then it just turned out that I couldn't maintain it um mm-hmm. on a regular basis um it turns out that when you work for Apple <laughs> yeah. 
they uh, they have they have a you know pretty much of a lock on your <laughs> on your brain trust and your and a lot of your time. And um, I found that like you know I work at I go to work and I work with computers all day long. And then I come home, it's like I really don't want to <laughs> have to spend that much time on it. So I'm basically a lazy uh, lazy slob. Oh, um, <laughs> a lot of people who work with computers say the same thing about not yeah. wanting to work on it. So, I yeah, I was I was that. telling someone earlier. It's like I've I've kind of gotten back into um, acoustic, well, you know, instruments that don't require power and don't require screens and menus and you know computers. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, finally get get a, a grand piano. Uh, last year, I I had one years and years ago, but had to sell it for various reasons. So I got a really nice grand piano, and I and I try to play that daily. And um, uh, you know, I've been getting back into the brass instruments as well. Mm, okay. So I, you know, so basically, I'm just you know, that's how I try to relax at night. And you know, the other thing is like I I really enjoy talking to I always enjoy talking to fans. Um, and I know that the forum is probably a really great way to handle, you know, that communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like I feel really bad when, like, I can't respond, like, soon enough because, you know, i got to, like, let a couple of days or something go by. So I just felt like I wasn't really living up to my end of it. Um, and actually, um, you know, I haven't done very much at all on the website um, in spite of the fact that it's not really that hard to at least update that, uh, you know that doesn't require daily, daily whatever. Maybe a newsletter, you know, once a month. Yeah, well, the thing is, I, you know, I, I kind of got out of the promotion business <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, Gary, Gary Tannen, the producer, uh, he was the guy that set up the MySpace thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, he and um, I have been uh, in communication to help promote it. Um, Okay. Poets, and it's a wonderful, wonderful um, CD. You know. I oh well, it, thank so. you very much. You know, it's I. This is kind of you know, <laughs> confessional here, but um, I think a lot of people were disappointed that it didn't sound like uh, Utopia or it, or it didn't sound like Air Pocket, and um, I'm really sorry that those people were disappointed. We got we got really a lot of really really good reviews, and it seemed like the few bad reviews were because people were expecting something much more in that you know that vein or that style. And I, I just want to tell people that like you know, my life was more than Utopia. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, well, I'm familiar you know, with Cosmic Furnace. Love that album. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Air Pocket. Air Pocket yeah. And Roger, yeah, Roger, you got nine stars with, you know, with Power Play. You did get some great reviews. And I think Todd fans, anyway, at least, if any Todd fans out there expect an album to be something they expect and they haven't learned much about Todd and Lee knows too well. I'm already, you know. I, underst- I fully understand the whole nostalgia about it. Um, you know, but this is, the, you know, my album was not a Utopia project. I deliberately you know, kind of steered myself away. I've deliberately steered myself away from that. Uh, you know, I, I'm working with a uh, producer from in Milwaukee. You know, he's not a big Hollywood, you know, guy. And we, I really wanted to explore on this album and try to get a bunch of these ideas that I had, like, more formed um, and not be bound necessarily by anything. 
Um, I mean, you'll you'll hear utopia-like stuff in there. I mean, Lone Gunman has a lot of utopia-like stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't really want to be bound by anything in particular. I just wanted to kind of let my instincts go and 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 also bounce ideas off someone else who was who was not affiliated with Utopia. Understood. So that's what I did. (laughs) You know, so like it or lump it. I like it so. Okay. Um, anyway, thank you very much, and sure. uh, I will let uh, the next caller have a chance. So have thank their you. Day. Have a great evening. Thanks, Wendy. All right. Thanks, Thanks very much, Wendy. Bye bye. See you in Dallas for the show. We're gonna see if this guy's still making whoopee over here. Eight five zero. You with us? Eight five zero. There. I mean, how long does it take to have sex? Marathon man here, man. Eight five zero. What's your secret, buddy? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't okay, hear any there. of that, did he? I don't get it. A5O, you with me? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Okay, man. Who is it? I just, it took me a second to realize that it's an area code that you're spouting out there. That's right. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. We'll, we'll take that as the excuse. There you go. <laughs> Who is this? Uh, my name's Charles, drummer. Hey, Charles. Good, thanks hey. for calling. Yeah, hey, Charles. Um, I, hi, I just took advantage of this to... You know, there's just, I was trying to compose a, a great question in my head. and fi- Don't work too hard on it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, um, I was always aware of the, okay, there would be a Todd album, then there would be a Utopia album, back and forth, back and forth, and I always noticed this. And right. Some friend of mine said, well, yeah, that's that's just what they do, you know, I mean, uh, um, and I was wondering, did you guys have to orchestrate your utopia stuff around the whole Todd going, well, wait, now it's time for my solo career. I got to put this album out, or was it, was there, you know, contractual stuff around that? I mean, well, or was that's it just kind of like that's a very, very good question. And the last thing that you said, and I can give you some uh, some background and insight on this. Um, just basically, Todd himself had a, uh, a you know a recording contract with Bearsville Records which was distributed by Warner Brothers uh, actually yeah. I think it was a subsidiary of Warner Brothers in fact it was like a sub label so he actually he had the recording contract uh you know and he was the recording contract says you will deliver you know an album whatever every 18 months or 2 years or whatever it was and he decided Todd decided that he wanted to do this Utopia project, and the record company was like, no, 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 no. We just need Todd Rundgren Records. We don't need any of this other crap. Uh, And Todd said, well, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) but um, the way we'll, you know, Todd basically told him the way we'll manage it is, you know, I'll do a solo album, and then we'll do a Utopia album. Um, And we basically kind of shoehorned into his contract. I mean, I think I'm certainly sure another contract was issued but uh-huh. but that's how that came about was you know he wanted to both do solo albums and he wanted to do utopia albums and the only way to do that you know you couldn't he couldn't put out uh you know a todd and a utopia album every 18 months sure um uh it just it wouldn't you know he couldn't well he might have been able to do it but it wouldn't make sense from touring and everything else and it would have been a lot of a lot of you know overlapping work um, so we basically alternated. That was the plan that was come up with. Um, 
and that way the record company still got their you know their Todd solo albums, and then they got these things that they you know just used to you know sail as frisbees you know out to the <laughs> rocks. Right. Okay. And uh, you know there was a there was always a lot of contention with us and the record company over over you know them promoting the Utopia records and them still wanting only Todd records and you know they got spoiled because I mean he had a couple of of pop hits early in his career and from then on they could only see him as as doing that with every right. album. Yeah, it was always nice to get the, uh, you know, okay, you know, you're kind of expecting the next thing, and it's you know it's going to rock more than, you know, in a certain way more than, although on his solo albums yeah. he did have some real rockin' tunes, you know, but it was always yeah, nice. But, but he knew well, when he was doing a solo album, you know, he would, he became even more conceptual about it, I think, than... You know, when we made the sure. the Utopia albums, were certainly had a lot of concept involved in them. But but the Utopia thing was supposed to be a band, right? And the solo albums were, you know, solo quote explorations. Yeah, sure, so, okay. I and I actually played on uh, Initiation, his one of his quote solo albums. Um, yeah, which is I, quite I played amazing. on Faithful as well. Faithful, right? Yeah. Yeah, faithful. But initiation, the whole second side is is me and Todd with all of my Moog synthesizers, just all going at once. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's a nuts, it's a nutsoid piece of music. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really. Um, also, what intrigued me was that uh, on the vinyl, it was like about thirty minutes per side. Yeah, I was going to mention that he. Uh, I mean, that that's like oh oh a CD before there was right. Well, I think it actually might have gotten into the Guinness Book of World Records for, <laughs> for the longest playing LP. Yeah. The unfortunate side effect is, though, that they had, you know, when they put more time on it, they have to, they can't cut the grooves as, as deep, so... Diminished quality, yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, well, it might not be diminished quality, but it might not last as long. Oh, so okay. I don't know, uh, you know, that's that's technology that... Apparently has come and gone. <laughs> Although I put, hey, uh, Fossil Poets is available on vinyl. There you go. Oh, is it really? Um, yes. I, and my record company was like, no, it's going to cost us too much money to do that. I said, well, just make, you know, a few hundred of them. And it's on blue vinyl. It's on see-through blue vinyl. Nice. And it's, it doesn't have everything that's on the CD because I, didn't, I decided I wanted it to sonically sound as good as it could. So there's only about 18 minutes on each side, but um, but yeah, it, and apparently they did a really good job of mastering it because I have some audiophile. I actually got reviewed in an audiophile magazine um, for the sound of the CD. They said if you've got a big honking, you know, home theater system with big speakers, you know, bass subwoofers and stuff, you know, you want to play these two cuts from. <laughs> From uh, from fossil poets. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll look a lot that of up. Todd fans still have their turntables. Yeah, yeah. And I basically just, you know, I still believe in vinyl. <laughs> and oh, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, um, it's. I was going to mention too. You, a little while ago, you mentioned the New York Rock Ensemble. Yeah. I was actually digging out my vinyl, and I put on an old. Columbia compilation album, and, and I was actually listening to that band 
uh, yes. only about a half an hour ago. So <laughs> oh, that's 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 really that's boogie man. Uh, yeah, and who knows who that is? I mean, I it was oh, yeah. track on a comp, you know. Yeah, well, I don't even know the rest of their material. So yeah, so here here is another like really interesting point about about them. Uh, the reason that I even knew Michael Kamen, who was the, uh, the, I guess, the leader of that band, the reason that I knew him was because before, before I even put out Cosmic Furnace, I was working for the ARP Synthesizer Company in Boston, and I used to take the synthesizer down to the studio, in, you know, in Boston because they would, you know, they wanted to do commercials and they wanted somebody to operate, you know, the quote sound effects machine, which was the synthesizer you know, to put, like, sound effects in commercials. So I started work, working at this studio, and they decided that they were going to put on a uh, concert, believe it or not, in Venezuela, in Caracas, Venezuela, uh, at the uh, bequest of, the, of, the, of some uh, political party that was, you know, going to be going through an election, and they wanted to, you know, they wanted to show they were really hip and they were going to have a rock show, right? Yeah. And the lead act was the New York Rock Ensemble. And then they said, well, why don't you come and play too? And that was the first live performance that I ever, you know, professional live performance I ever did. Um, and, that, and because of the reaction to that, um, the, the uh, recording studio, which was also like a you know, production company, they were able to get me a record contract with Atlantic, and, that was, and that's how Cosmic Furnace came about. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a sordid history. That's great. Yeah. That's too many facts. Inside right? info. There you go. <laughs> Always, we find something on here every time. Hey, Charles, appreciate the call. No, Roger's got to run. We got. We went about okay, ten thanks. minutes over, right? I got about five more minutes, probably. Okay. Great All show, right. though. Great show, Doug. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for calling in too. Thank Get you, buddy. Poets. Take care Get now. Vinyl. Take care. Bye bye. Eight five zero. There you go. Get fossil poets on vinyl, man. Yeah. Have go it. back to your girlfriend. <laughs> I think she's had enough. All right, uh, I got a couple. He's going what? <laughs> I got a couple email questions I want to ask you. Um, that came, you know, from internet questions. I guess would be a better way to put it. Somebody wanted to know. Uh, said that you played keys for David uh, Bowie. Want to know what tours you did, if any, with him? Um, I did the. Uh, uh, you know, I'm having trouble remembering if it was 1978 or 80. I think it was 78. I think it was 78 and 79. Anyway, it was called the Stage Tour. Uh, they actually recently re-released the, the live recordings of that. Um, it, it came out on vinyl years and years ago, but they recently released that. I think about three years ago they released it on CD. Wow. They remastered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was a... During that year, I did both Utopia and David Bowie. So I would, like, get off of one tour and... and fly to the next one i got off one todd one uh, utopia tour uh like in january or something and the next morning after the last show i flew to australia <laughs> That's a long um they put me on the concord to go to london and then an 18-hour flight to uh to perth australia and i i actually sat with uh paul mccartney and his wife and kids on the concord flight Wow. They were coming back. They were coming back from Arizona, where they uh, where they were. You know, they had a ranch. Um, wow. So yeah, seventy eight. I think it was seventy eight, seventy nine. I did the Bowie stage tour, and that was that had several legs of the tour. There was a you know big European leg. 
uh, you know, big American leg of the tour, and then uh, you know, an Asian or, or you know, a Far East thing where we actually we played in. Um, we did Japan and uh, Australia, and we did New Zealand as well. So you're on tour with Todd. So, you get on a plane. So yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I, um, Adrian Ballou was in that band. Mm-hmm. Um, people might know him from both Talking Heads and King Crimson. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frank Zappa, he played with Frank Zappa too. That Bowie saw him playing with Frank Zappa and said, you know, come play in my band. Um, and that that was that was a tremendous tour. He was such a such a wonderful person. He was very very warm. He's incredibly you know intelligent as you might imagine, and of course you know amazingly dynamic and talented performer. Yeah, some good experiences in '78. Sounds like. Well, Mike B. asked yeah. a question. He also wanted to know if you had any funny tour bus stories to share about Todd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got one. Uh oh, here we go. Uh, and it's not that bad but uh todd uh <laughs> he had uh recently you know during that time period uh had gotten a new girlfriend mm-hmm. uh her nickname was bean mm-hmm. and uh at actually i think before she was todd's girlfriend she was she maybe had spent some time with bruce springsteen so okay <laughs> Uh, she's a lovely woman. We still know her. She's, you know, she's a good friend. And, you know, they were kind of, you know, in, you know, early in love. (laughs) And, uh, we pull up to a, you know, we're, we're traveling all night. And during the night, like, we're hearing all this, like, bustling and rustling about and, you know, laughing and, you know, God knows what other sounds. (laughs) And in the morning, uh, we arrive at the hotel like really early, right? And everybody at that point is pretty much dead asleep. And, you know, I don't know if, if that was Mary Lou or whatever, but, you know, the rest of us are like getting out of the bus and she says, I can't wake them up, you know? And so we all went in and started like banging on the, on the bunk thing and, you know, yelling at them and stuff. And, uh, they, <laughs> they both, they both like finally kind of woke up in a daze. And their all of their hair was like intertwined and completely like you know fright wigged, and we were like, "What the hell happened? Well, you know, what the hell is going on with your hair? You know, it's like all stuck together." They said, "Well, you know, at one point in the night, we I think we got a little uh, I think we got a little tipsy, and we decided to put Vaseline in our hair." <laughs> <laughs> And it took them like about four days to get it out. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so you know that's young love for you. Young love back in the day. Yeah, hey, let's Two put some later. clean in our hair. Yeah, that'll be cool. That's a good idea. <laughs> well, well, you knew how, you knew how to have fun, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was all. And about. We always had a lot of fun on the tours. It was, you know, it was a riot. I bet those, yeah. If you got any other good stories, we'll, we'll be happy to hear them. We'll do this again some other time as well. I got two right. quick questions for you on, from the internet that are kind of yes or no. So I'm going to, okay. since you only got a couple you know, minutes or seconds or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know if this has some uh, relevance or not. It may just be a joke question, but Stashnet <laughs> will know what your favorite type of cheesecake was. My favorite type of cheesecake? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my favorite type of cheesecake is just good old plain New York 
style cheesecake. New York cheesecake. All right. You know, well, like that you'd get in a in a deli or a bakery in Manhattan. There you go. You know, now we know. Um, a, a, a chocolate swirl is not bad either. Not bad. Okay. Um, but you know what I really like is just the standard you know New York cheesecake made with the you know the the uh, graham cracker crust, and then it's usually got like a slice of lime or something on the top of it. Mm, there you go. All right. He also <laughs> wanted to know. Is somebody going to send me this or something? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he is. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know why I ask. I'm just I'm just here to. All right. Well, that's you no. Know, I have I, I have an answer. <laughs> there you go. We knew you would. Um, he also wanted to know. What was your favorite way that Todd introduced you during the show? And he, he has two different ways. He said there was the slow, sarcastic Roger Powell or the upbeat, enthusiastic Roger Powell. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't. I probably didn't care either way as long as he, <laughs> as long as he mentioned my name. As long as he got it right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. As long as he got it right. You know, as long as he didn't look at me and go, "And who are you again?" You know. <laughs> so yeah, I don't remember. I do remember uh, both of those versions and perhaps some other ones in between with probably a little more sarcasm depending on, you know, what I had, you know, if I had made any mistakes in the show so far. <laughs> well, you, you probably caught some, but I know I was at one of the new car shows and he was calling uh, Greg Hawks a Keebler elf or something like that. He was busting on his oh, yeah. that night. Yeah. So you, if that's all you got, you're in good shape. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because he knew I would I would give it right back to him. There you go. Yeah, you got microphone time. <laughs> That's right, man. And I, you know, I got a sharp wit too, buddy. There don't you go. don't don't tempt me. Don't mess with me. All right, good deal. Well, all right, man. I got. Some all right, I'm sorry, I got to run, but uh, some people are waiting on me here. I got gotcha. you. So. That's that's fine. Well, you gave us more than enough time. I really appreciate you being on. Oh, it's very enjoyable. You know, I, I'd be happy to do it again uh, in the future if you, you know, if you run out of interesting Definitely. people. Definitely, we want to come back full circle and have you on again. It's fun. All right, appreciate it. All right, you all right, take thanks. care, Doug, and okay. and thanks to all your listeners and all the people that have supported me and the band over the years. Good deal. And I'm gonna play some more songs. Everybody, stick around. I want you to hear some more, some clips right. from Rogers' music, including the part that you talked about. Yes, with the flugelhorn, finally. Miles per gallon, there you go. Okay, right. <laughs> take care. Thanks a lot, man. Everybody Bye. stick around. I'm going to start with that. I'm going to play that right quick. It's only about 45 seconds. I do have a couple more things, too, I want to talk about. And I do have two more clips, I believe, from Roger, so hang tight. And if you still want to get on the air, even though Roger's gone, if you have something you want to say, just stick around, and I will throw you on there. Here we go. That's a clip from Fossil Poets, Roger Powell, rogerpowell.com. You can go to myspace.com backslash fossil poets. You can go to rungrunradio.com, and if I don't have that link up, I will soon. You can find it on our MySpace page, which is myspace.com backslash rungrunradio, which is actually a very good site. I have uh, somebody helping me with that, Laura, R-A-I, from the U.K., and she does a great job. She's got a blog on there and all kind of information about the show and what's coming on in the future with it, so be sure to check that out. And there's a couple more things, and we'll wrap this up. We've got about ten more live minutes. I don't know if we'll make it that far. 
But I am looking for some people to pimp for me. The show, the more popular the show gets, we will continue to get good guests. So let's keep it going. I'm going to produce some a few Rugrin Radio t-shirts for the December tour so that people at the shows can find out that this thing exists. And I have some uh, you know, business cards as well we could hand out, maybe do some flyers or something. So if you are interested in helping me with that, it's radio at earthlink.net. T-shirts are probably about 10 bucks. I'll be selling them at cost plus shipping. I'd love to give them to you for helping me out, but this is not a for-profit radio show. We do it for fun. So uh, I do want a lot of listeners, though, because it does help with the guests, and that's what's, what it's all about, and for other people in the Todd community that don't know about it to find out. So if you want to help me pimp the show, shoot me an email at radio at earthlink.net. Also, we have the bobblehead. I don't know if you caught that last show, but we are in the process of making a Todd Rogren bobblehead. It will be nice looking. I will be posting pictures of the progress on trconnection.com, and also Hot Toddies will be posting that information, the Rogren's Hot Toddies EJ site, and anywhere else we can find it. But right now, we're, we're not ready for that yet. We're almost there. We've had to make some changes early on. We want to get it presentable to where... Everybody doesn't freak out and think it's going to look bad because it's not. We're, we're taking, you know, uh, we're being real careful with it to make sure that it's got a likeness to Todd and that it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody. And so we'll have those soon. That's the update on it. And don't forget, next Monday, 8 o'clock Eastern, Michael Urbano. He's going to be the drummer for Todd's tour, which starts December 2nd in Dallas, Texas. And I still don't know what's going on New Year's Eve with Todd. We're going to try to find out. Maybe we'll have an announcement on that Monday. John Montagna is going to be the guest Monday at 1119. That is at 9 o'clock Eastern. So we want you to check out those shows, and we're still working on booking dates. We have them committed to doing shows, Law Workman, John Forensic, and Willie Wilcox. Willie Wilcox will probably end up doing it in January when he gets back from his Mexico situation. He gets back into the United States, but we may be able to pull it off in Mexico. We just don't know yet. And that's it. I'm going to play another clip. I've got one left. This one is about a minute. This is from Roger's Fossil Poet CD. This song is called Too Much Rain. Again, you can find this at rogerpowell.com or myspace.com backslash Fossil Poets. I appreciate you listening. Check us out on Monday. Thanks. Everybody shine on. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chum. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.